hi. So this is actually the very first episode of Disorganized Religion. Um, we don't really say that at all during this first episode because we weren't sure what to call it. But going forward, that's what this will be known as. So stick with it if you like it. I'm just editing all this after the fact. We are uh, recording this months in advance as well, so we have a bit of a backlog in case anything kind of throws a spanner in the works, as it were. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. And uh, yeah, stick around, because I think we have some good discussions. All right. Hey, cool. So, um, best friends tackle Ecclesiastes. It starts right now. Super super exciting. Um, I didn't really plan on doing this up until about 25 minutes ago where I was like, oh, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just get right in. Um, Keen, um, I think if if it's cool with you, I kind of want to do what we usually do when we do like a Bible study thing where we read through it and then reflect on a chapter by chapter kind of thing sounds great to me yeah. Right. yeah yeah i'm always excited for this this is ecclesiastes my favorite book yeah uh, <laughs> it's a big one just reading the headings is making me like like anxious it's, it's giving me existential dread mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want a little bit of context before we jump in yes okay um so the kind of the understanding of ecclesiastes is that it was written from the perspective of solomon and that's it's kind of interesting because it's not necessarily Solomon who wrote it but it's someone almost writing on behalf of or or from the perspective of Solomon um so this teacher that it refers to is um the son of David so it is Solomon and it's kind of written in his voice but it may not have actually been him who wrote so it's kind of like the idea of from the perspective of someone who has absolutely everything um and because that's because king solomon um for additional context is um someone who is like yeah david his father had built up the entire kingdom like the greatest jewish king kind of thing um and solomon inherited all of that and he kind of just had every pleasure every possibility um available to him and there was one time he uh got almost almost like a genie kind of said well you can have um because you you've chosen to do good things you can have something what do you want do you want more wealth do you want more popularity do you want and he says i want more wisdom yeah um and so he was blessed with wisdom and all the other things on top of it <laughs> like all the the worldly stuff as well so then this book goes and says like all right well what does that this like what is it the, that's kind of the thing that all of us uh am are ambitious to be to be wise or to be rich or to be famous or whatever from that perspective of being totally wise totally rich and totally famous what does the world look like yeah back at us and i think it's fascinating um so that's that's my little rant to start I ah, good okay. i love it i love your little rant because if the shoe's on the other foot you know we've done three and a half of these episodes and um <laughs> and it's usually me ranting so i'm keen to see you get even more passionate <laughs> as we get into it groovy 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 good. it's good um uh, do you want to kick us off yeah yeah sure i'll read the first chapter so yeah. we go um the words of the teacher the son of david king in jerusalem Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. 
Sun rises and sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the north, to the south, and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. Even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be strained. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For, su for, with, such sorrow, with, for with such wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Oh. That's a, oh, it's heavy. <laughs> Just to start, you know, um, you can really pick and choose kind of to your heart's content like all the miserable shite that he just said <laughs> <laughs> yes yes he can um, and that's i think quite intentional probably um yeah i i read that initially obviously that's just the very beginning i read that initially as like look dude no matter how hard you try and how like crazy in depths into things you get and and how far you push yourself you'll never quite be where you want to be because you're always reaching for more it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how freaking smart you are because at that point you'll just be more upset over the fact that you don't know everything if you have 98 percent, you don't have 99 or 100 you know um the more knowledge the more grief Whew. i mean that in itself is like just look introspectively and acknowledge that everything around you, it ceases to exist at some point. Everyone you've ever met will cease to exist. You know all these things and it's gonna make you miserable. <laughs> this mm -hmm. book is just like, here is a, an existential crisis. Now go be sad. Yeah. <laughs> all right, thanks. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um... The meaningless, meaningless, I think the word there, the meaningless, is sometimes translated as vanity, mm. but it's it's like um, apparently in the Hebrew more like a like air or mist. Right. Um, so as in like it's, it's not tangible. It's not something you can hold on to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like it's... Um, Everything is fleeting. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I, I, I like the... I think that's um, good. Mm, mm. And, and, and in some ways that's kind of true used as a re reassuring thing yeah like, exactly like don't get so hung up on this this earthly stuff because it doesn't last forever yeah 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 is is there a gandalf quote about that oh oh 
Hold on. What was the quote that I said? Um, the, the only decision that we have to make with the time we're given is what to do with it or something, right? Mm, like, it's mm. like that. Yes, um, yes, yes. You know, you choose, you choose whether or not you want to hold on to, on to past gripes and, and pain and trivial, uh, trivial kind of suffering and stuff like that. You know, you, you choose the path that you take. Um, damn, Gandalf wrote Ecclesiastes. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I took away from that. <laughs> That's pretty good. But yeah, no, that's that's true. That's good. Oh man, if you do a is there a Gandalf quote for that after every chapter, I'll find one, I promise. <laughs> yeah. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that we that is given to us. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't isn't there there's another um this too shall pass? Yeah, this that. too shall pass. Uh-huh. That's Gandalf too. Uh oh. Or is that someone else? Am I mixing up my wizards? I don't know if that's Gandalf. I feel like that's a proverb, isn't it? This oh. two shots. I, I thought that was um like a Chinese thing. Or is that from the Bible? Um, apparently, uh, I looked up on Google uh, number one search result. Just like the first thing that pops up. Who said this too shall pass? Abraham Lincoln, apparently. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the second question is, what Bible verse is this too shall pass? Yeah. Uh -huh. And the third one is, does Gandalf say this too shall pass? Yeah. And then it says, uh, you shall not pass, which is not at all the same thing. <laughs> all right. So I'm glad that other people are confused by that too. Yeah, good. Thank you, Google, for reflecting uh, societal <laughs> views. That's great. I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, um, should we should we try and break it down further that first chapter, or do you feel like we've kind of got the the grasp of it? You know, everything is fleeting. The more you know, the more upset you'll be. Which yeah. far out. That's yeah. so true. Like, as someone who has been just living with anxiety for the majority of their life. Mm. Every single time I find something else out, it makes me more anxious. <laughs> so, mm. Mm. You know. Yeah. I think, yeah, we can chat about it a little bit more just because there's a couple of things that like kind of come to mind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what you're like, I guess the kind of the underlying assumption of that is like that the world is really tough and horrible and bad. Mm. Like, and it's only kind of by a little bit of ignorance that we pretend it's anything other than that sometimes. And I that think that's so relevant today as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's a kind of helpful statement or just a helpful kind of assumption coming into life that not kind of expecting things to be really good because when they aren't always really good it's like oh no have i got this all wrong is my yeah. like why is my life so bad but it, it's it is a shared experience that the world is kind of horrible and i think that's a, a helpful thing to know rather than just ignorantly pretending that it's good yeah um and i think yeah we we don't do well to kind of set people up with this kind of like to teach our, like, our young people like oh no it's all all right it's all good vibes it's actually it's pretty harsh 
and the skill is being able to deal with it while it's harsh not just pretend that it's good yeah i completely agree i think um kind of concurrently to that you know running side by side that thought line is like the minute you acknowledge that the world is kind of messed up you can start trying to make a difference for good you know oh yeah 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 you know you you wouldn't need things like outreach programs and humanitarian aid if the world was fine and the fact that we Mm -hmm. have those things has to contribute to this global knowledge that the world is kind of screwed up Mm. um like i really like how you put that yeah well thank you um I, i i think it's a very kind of blunt example of people trying to right the wrongs of the world of which there are many um so i think it's a really good thing to look at like well we wouldn't need charity if uh, if everyone was giving but the fact that we are the ones that are predominantly giving as a charity and these people with billions of dollars aren't surely that can show you that at least a little bit of the world is screwed up and um you know i think it's it's a good kind of uh good kind of passage to look at <laughs> if mm-hmm. if you want to upset yourself greatly but also if you can approach it kind of like we are now um you can really look sort of deeper introspectively and realize like, boy, my, my problems really are only kind of skin deep sometimes. And, you know, there's so much more to it than just how are you suffering right now, right in this moment? It really does make you kind of look at like the bigger picture. Um, I I think Ecclesiastes is sort of, that's kind of its shtick, you know, like, Mm. oh, Everything is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Pleasures are meaningless. You know why all this shit is meaningless? Because it all just goes away at some point. There's nothing you can do about that. So why don't you try and help someone else out, you big jerk off? And I was like, oh, thank you, Bible. You're very aggressive today, but all right. <laughs> That's basically what it's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Solomon, Solomon asks for this eternal wisdom and it drives him mad. And he's like, well, Frick, why did I ask for that? Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's such a it's such a crazy thing to look at. And yeah, even let's let's play devil's advocate for a second. Even if you look at the Bible as like a semi-historical thing and you're like, well, this isn't all just like a, a truthful recounting of how things happened. These are carbon dated figures of history that we can <laughs> scientifically map out they existed, you know people yeah, like yeah, Solomon yeah. um mm. like this is a real guy <laughs> who who this is being written about right now uh, from the perspective of um yeah. so even if you look at the bible through the eyes of an atheist or an agnostic where it's like a lot of scrutiny and a lot of kind of mm, I don't know about all that because xyz said this well, shut up that's not what we're here to discuss right now the fact is this was a real person whose experiences were actually like dated and recorded. There are manifestations of living history surrounding this individual. And he got to the point in his life where he felt he knew so much that he just had the most noted existential crisis known to man. Yes, 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 yeah. And and it's almost like a, the it's such like an archetypal kind of like personality that actually came into fruition and kind of yeah it's cool it's yeah cool. it is um i'm reading well listening to a book right now called the hero uh, with a thousand faces it's yeah. by uh joseph campbell he's a 
he's a, I think he was a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but he was also a philosopher and he was like big into human studies and stuff, right? Mm. And uh, he breaks us down humanity into 23 different archetypes. And I'm pretty yeah. sure one of them is like the madman. And that's someone who in the pursuit of knowledge has gone too far and has done lasting damage to themselves. <laughs> I'm like, that's just, that's this guy and like anyone over 35, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to, to look at this book, Ecclesiastes, because as, as easy as it is to read it as just like, well, what's the bloody point then? It's also... Mm-hmm if you kind of just take a second and slow down, it's also a good way to sort of acknowledge that, you know, mortality is a real thing. Um, and and time ah. is a constant, time is a constant that we have zero control over, even if like relativity is a thing. Um, and so it, I feel like it kind of makes you appreciate the, the kind of precious nature of the time that we have. Um, and that's the thing as well, because this is from the same book that says, well, you'll live forever if you believe in God. And if you, you know, live a godly life and you follow in Jesus' footsteps and go make disciples and go pray and tithing and X, Y, Z. Um, <clears throat> it's funny that you get both perspectives. Ecclesiastes is the most human book in the Bible for that reason. <laughs> um, and that's why I was really excited to study it with you, because I think we have a good dynamic between like the the theological look at things and the human look at things. And then we kind of coalesce in the middle. Um, and this book is a really good written representation of what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's really easy to get bogged down and just like, well, either I have too much time and it's fine to waste that time, or I don't have enough time. And I feel like I've wasted everything that I've like spent my life working on. Um, neither of those things are true everyone has the same amount of time realistically Mm. Uh, obviously life expectancies and freak accidents and stuff and mortality rates are kind of uncontrollable things sometimes but gosh even if you look at the idea of predestination which we can literally go back and forth on for months at a time and still not really find a place to finish on um if you look at the idea of predestination you are mapped out your place and time in the universe starts and ends right here as a physical, like corporeal manifestation. And then boop, you're gone. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, this book is literally telling you, oh, shit doesn't last forever. Just make the most of the time you've got right now while you're in control of things. Go do it. Mm. It's good. It's a good yeah. representation just to live your life. You know, just like, I don't know. Find something to cling on to. What's your purpose? What do you want to be your greater calling? And, and go for it. Yeah. Jordan Peterson would kind of sum that up and, and say, like, you know, the world's horrible, um, but it's you just need to find something, like, good enough to make it worth living. Essentially, like, you need to find your purpose that's strong enough to make the horrible mess worth it. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I think that kind of comes through quite strongly in this, in, in this book, uh, that, that kind of same idea. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. I think um, a couple of things I want to mention just before we move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
firstly, like, I think this first chapter is kind of like a summary of all the other kind of bits. So we'll get like the opportunity to go kind of deeper into each until like each of these things that he kind of just briefly mentions here, which is cool. Um, and secondly, like this is kind of like along the lines of what you were just saying. Um, I used to find this book of huge comfort um which sounds absolutely absurd because it just says that everything is meaningless um but all the things that it kind of says are meaningless are all the things that i was giving too much meaning to in a sense like uh, um, i was big on like well i've only got a little bit of time as you were saying like I, i'm i'm wasting it like what am i doing with my life like i need to go out and change the world because it's it's bad out there <laughs> um and like the, the most probably prominent thing that stands out to me in contrast to that is like the fact that this kind of mentions that you'll doesn't matter how big of a legacy you leave it will just disappear yeah man in, into the generations like no one remembers the former generations even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow it, like you can't really have that big an impact <laughs> yeah i think um like, whoa. verse three to verse 12 is all just the same thing written in different metaphors saying it really yeah. doesn't matter what your start and end is in 80 years no one's going to remember your name no one's going to remember your carbon footprint or the fact <laughs> that you even took up air in this planet. It doesn't matter. Like this, this book is a little self-assuring because it's almost like, I don't know, go live for yourself. Go find someone to love. Kiss a girl in the street who you have had a crush on for years. And if she rejects you, go and learn from it. Go have kids and raise them to be good. It doesn't matter what you do because you only have this chunk of time. So just go freaking do it. It's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, yeah, it will get to a point and it says like, just drink wine and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's oh, we'll Which get that good. It's, it's fascinating that's that's um, brand yeah drink wine be merry um yeah so just that like dose of perspective mm -hmm. i feel like that yes that was the word brings. that i was gonna gonna draw on is that this book is just kind of about perspective like yes all streams flow into the sea yet the sea is never full you know what that really reminds me of right now as a metaphor that reminds me of excessive levels of like charitable work and and people like oh. oh well i'm trying to be a selfless person right now and do this for you and do this for you you know what dude you, you probably don't really need to the sea mm. it's never gonna be full it doesn't matter how many times you try and fill it up just just do what is right in in the in the context of like here and now just you know Give, give that money there. Give that money there. But don't forget about yourself. You, you only have so much time. Just you get too bogged down in the details. Just bloody move on with it. You know, stuff like that. Um, and that's grand. Uh, I think I think this book is really easy to get kind of upset over. Um, when I was in high school reading this, I was definitely like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for all that. You know, the first time <laughs> I went through this, I think was year 11 maybe, which was like a very emotionally charged year for everyone. And so reading through it and it just being like, oh, be fuck miserable. I was like, oh man, I don't want to. 
I don't want to be sad all the time. What's going on? But reading it now and just acknowledging that it's actually like, have some bloody perspective, idiot. It's like, oh, that makes a lot more sense, actually. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Shall we continue? Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, chapter two is so much bigger. I should have started. All right. Ah. <laughs> I'll, I'll read chapter two. <clears throat> Thanks, uh, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. <laughs> Laughter, <laughs> I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Uh, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem uh, as well, the delights of a man's heart. Uh, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And yet, uh, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and when I had toiled to achieve, uh, everything was meaningless. <laughs> A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks, uh, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Whew. My man needs some Percocet or something. He needs antidepressants. <laughs> Percocet. 
Dude is so upset. <laughs> oh yeah. I really yeah. like it though, because you know, he's he's talking about working his ass off for years and oh, years yeah. and years, you know, putting decades of his his life's work into action and really trying to make like a, a tangible physical mark on the world. And then he's like, well, this is all gonna go away. And mm-hmm. before then, someone who yeah. isn't me. Yeah, exactly. Someone who isn't me is going to take over. And I can't allow that. This is my work. This is my legacy. And then he, he just kind of comes to the point of like, well, actually, I hate it. <laughs> yes. And if I can't have it, no one can. You know? yes. It's like, you know what it is? It's like when you, you're in like a long-term relationship and you spend a lot of time trying to build up that other person because you love them so much. And then you break up and they start dating someone else. And you're like, no, I put all that hard work in. That was me. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. But it's not a, if I can't have them, no one can situation, dude, calm down. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. He's pretty darn raw about it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's very upset. You know, to the, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He's literally saying, everything sucks. <laughs> He's yeah. like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what side you play for. It doesn't matter yeah. what political party you vote for how much work you've put in how much wealth you've amassed everything goes away everything Mm. everything ultimately is redundant and Mm. no matter what kind of lasting impact you want to make nothing is built to last Mm. kind of intentionally as well which is a good thing stuff breaks down and degrades over time it's called erosion um but also like you know this is social standings this is close relationships this is uh health in in all of its forms this Mm. is this is faith this is um you know devotion and stuff like that he's saying that doesn't really matter ultimately what happens right down here because it all it all goes away you know it doesn't matter if you devote your life to something you can end up hating it you can end up utterly despising it because you put in all the love and then you acknowledge that it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to be gone at some point. And that is such a such a real feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. I, if I were a little bit younger, I'd be like, that is such millennial horse shit, you know. Um, so nihilistic, eh? <laughs> yeah, it is. But at the same time, it's like, that's kind of a good point. Um, but I, I don't think it's it's telling you hey, don't do anything. Yeah, I, it's like, don't let that nihilism guide your life. Yes, exactly. I think it's telling you, like, it doesn't really matter if things end. You can take pride in stuff. You can be proud of your accomplishments and you can continue to, to strive to be better. Um, but just kind of acknowledge that at some point, stuff ends, stuff goes away. Mm. You know, like the example that I used just then of like the, the long-term relationship, you build each other up and then it's gone at some point that has literally happened to everyone at some point. Um, And that sucks. 
But you know what the best part about falling in love with someone else is? The fact that you were stronger for having grown from that past relationship and being able to move on and, and feeling confident enough in yourself and in the other person to grow as people and, and to still trust each other and have a mutual respect for one another and acknowledge that maybe that wasn't everything um, you know, the be all and the end all. That wasn't the start and the finish of my life. That was a really positive chapter, a good part of my growth, but it wasn't everything. You know, that's what, that's what this specific chapter is about. It's saying, well, it doesn't really matter what you do from here to here, because when you get here, none of that exists anymore. It doesn't exist for you. And in a little while, it won't exist for anyone. That doesn't mean don't go do it. It means don't obsess over it. Don't go crazy mm. over it. Don't kill yourself over something small like that. Have a bit of perspective. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah, just yeah. acknowledge that this is a global community. Everyone's <laughs> lives last for a long freaking time, com you know, comparatively speaking um, to, to all of time. Um, and so everyone's trying to do everything they can before it expires. So just calm the hell down. Everyone is in the same boat. Yeah, some people have bigger oars and bigger paddles. Some people have other people rowing for them. It doesn't matter, dude. You're one guy. Just do what one guy can do. Just calm down and, and just like pace yourself and, and feel good about the things you do. And don't get bogged down in the fact that it'll be over. Just be happy that it happened and that you had the opportunity to do it. You know, Ecclesiastes is on the surface, a very like down in the dumps, beating yourself up kind of book. But if you look at it further and you compare it to real human experiences, it's just kind it's, of like pick yourself up and dust yourself off. This is not where this yeah, ends. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's a bit of a warning in there too. Like, uh, oh, but I guess, yeah, and encouragement at the same time, kind of like watch what you put all your emphasis and your purpose in. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, that thing that went bad, like, like, do you really want to, like, make that the focus of your life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, look at how small it is. Yeah. And that's kind of encouragement, but also a warning because we probably do that <laughs> like, easily. Everyone does yeah. it for everything, you know. Um, gosh, I, it's, it's probably that, especially that notion is probably a really difficult thing for a lot of Christians to, to deal with, you know. Um, if you commit your entire life to something like this and then something bad and human happens and it disillusions you, oh, that must break you down to just mm -hmm. like the most base level of your soul. You know, it must take that part of you and really, really hurt it. Um, and I think it takes a lot of kind of inner strength to be able to push past that sort of hurt and acknowledge, you know what, I'm still my own person. I can still live the way I choose to live and believe what I still believe. Um, if you use the, the relationship metaphor, even if, you know, you have like a, a, a bit of a toxic relationship or something, there are still things that you can draw from it. Just maybe acknowledge that you put stock in kind of a bad thing. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, learning from mistakes is a very human part of life. Um, yeah, I think it is a, a good kind of warning chapter though like just just you know it's, it's part of pacing yourself like just acknowledge that that doesn't have to be everything you know mm -hmm. that that one thing right there you can focus on it and you can care for it and you can nurture it but just acknowledge that 
the rest of your world goes on without it. You exist without that thing. Big time. Big yeah. Time. Yeah. Can I draw on a couple of different things in here? Yeah, please. Um, near the beginning uh, from verse four, I, I undertook great projects. I built for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water, groves of flourishing trees. I think this like idea is particularly like a, an early Old Testament idea. Um, this idea of the walled garden. Um, and it's kind of this imagery and it's particularly kind of stark in, in this Old Testament kind of environment, particularly to the Old Testament readers, that you're establishing something of order in the chaos. Mm. And so like of the, of the world of chaos, in, like can you imagine if you're just like out in the forest and in the jungle and everything's trying to kill you and eat you and to establish a walled garden is this like total security yeah. and predictability and safety and to have fruit trees in your walled garden is just this like endless opportunity for safety yeah. and and um i think that's why particularly you have the garden of eden yeah and the snake that comes into the walled garden it, it, like it, it is this kind of like intruder into that and like the symbol of the chaos that kind yeah, of it represents chaos that's right yeah. yeah and uh anyway that's the um just some fascinating imagery kind of things there. yeah so that's it's a great it, illustration to kind of draw on yeah but this idea of like i I made gardens, parks, and planted all kinds of fruit trees and reservoirs of water. Like he established as much order and peace in the chaos as he possibly could, but it's still like the chaos will eventually kind of break it all down. And yeah, like, doesn't and it? Like, I think it's uh, it's interesting that like you can kind of look at it as like, who are you building this garden for, though? Is it? Is it for yourself? Are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you being selfish or selfless? Are you looking internally and trying to protect, you know, what's closest to home? Because yeah. it gets and, to the point where he says, so I hated life yes. <laughs> because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Like, I think that right there, that sentence is so telling of like the physical and emotional toil of of any commitment really like yeah i built up these these great personal defenses you know if, if you want to look at it kind of metaphorically um like that those gardens and those groves that he's building up that's you know that's coping mechanisms right there oh, and it's yeah. like oh yeah i built up all these great defenses for my mind um and what did it lead to it led to me spending years shutting people out and now i hate my life for that you know i hate the fact that that is the person i am Whew, man solomon is he, this man is riddled in anxiety like he he's just this well whoever's writing this from his perspective just so filled with self-doubt and like self-loathing over wrong decisions and and unknown fear and stuff and that's why it's so powerful when he's just kind of like well fuck it nothing lasts <laughs> you know because it's it's kind of like a like a bit of a dip you know he starts off like i'm gonna do this for me i got all this wisdom and all this cool shit that i can do and then it drops and he's like oh i hated that 
And then he comes kind of back up and he's like, well, it doesn't matter if I did it for any reason. And it doesn't matter if I hated it because it's gone now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and there's almost a piece that kind of comes through. Exactly. Like you know, in his writing of that. Yeah. It's like when you hear people like dying without regrets, you know, like being able to, to lay down and look back and just acknowledge like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I spent, I spent all that time scared and anxious and worried yeah. and, and so killing myself over nothing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, fascinating. Hey? Um, I think I, I want to touch on a little bit in the last kind of section of that from verse yeah. 24 to 26. Mm-hmm. It talks about God in there, which there aren't many references to God in this kind of, um, in this book. And I think the way that it kind of references him is more less about God and the person of God, which is kind of the whole rest of the Bible is about. And this is, I think it's, it's trying to emphasize the idea of fate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that kind of makes the most sense in um, verse 26. So this, uh, like, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And kind of from a theological perspective, we know that like God does kind of provide blessing to, to like people who want to please him. But it's it's not in this like stark sense of, oh, you sinned, you get punishment you didn't sin, you get blessed, yeah. like in this kind of formulaic way. And I think, yeah, what it's trying to say is just like to the one who happened to please fate, they got all this good stuff. And to the person who happened not to, they had to, like they worked their whole lives and ended up giving it to the person who did. Yeah. In this like, yeah, this different, uh, yeah, what comes through, to in my mind is is not the person of god but um i guess it's kind of like a to the original reader this understanding that they would have like in, in a culture of everyone who believes in a god that is in control of everything you don't really have to talk about fate you just talk about god did it so i think that's why i kind of uses the expression of god to manifest these ideas of almost chance and luck mm. Yeah, it really is kind of just like a, well, you know, he ends by saying it's meaningless, chasing after the wind. So obviously, just <laughs> let's, let's break that expression down in, in, a, in a sentence or two. You can't chase after the wind. It doesn't start or end anywhere. It just exists, right? So it's not a thing you can chase. Um, that's why it's meaningless. So you spend your whole time chasing after and you're getting absolutely nowhere. Exactly. Uh, wind doesn't Useless. have a starting point and it doesn't have a tangible end like you know we will eventually just run out of energy chasing after nothing right um so it's it's like a, a fruitless labor sort of deal um but i i really like that idea of it just like representing fate like that 24 to 26 it's just kind of like you know what dude you can work and work and work and work. And sometimes life just deals you a shitty hand and you have to live. With yes. It. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's like, this, that's the reality of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, he spends, he spends half of it, it 
it's incredibly vicious. It's very, very personal as well, I feel. He spends half of this chapter being like, I did all this cool shit and I built up stuff for myself. I held more wealth than any person in the most holy of lands. I should be the most content person on earth. And you know what? I got to the end of my freaking life and I'm miserable. I'm just as sad as you. <laughs> you know? Yes. He's like, just as sad as the person who was dealt a horrible hand too. Exactly. You know, mm. and, and I think it's interesting that he says God gives wisdom, uh, knowledge and happiness to the person who pleases him. Um, and then to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over. So he's calling himself a sinner right there because he's the one who's been storing wealth and gathering it. Admittedly, self-admittedly, in the last couple of verses, he says that. Um, he says, I'm hoarding all this shit for myself. I have more riches than the kings and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think at the same time, he's kind of just acknowledging that like everyone can fall into either of these parties, you know? Um, that's why God as the metaphor for fate works so well, but God as the representation of God also makes sense. Cause he's just kind of like, God doesn't really like play favorites or anything. The, the Yes. Yeah. It's like the idea of like destiny or predestination. It just kind of is how it is. And um, you're either, you're either put there for this reason or you're not. Um, and like, congrats if you are. And Maybe you'll feel a little fucked if you aren't, but at the same time, it's just sort of life and you kind of just get on with it. And it's, it's a really interesting thing to look at because he's just sort of like, I don't know, dude, I had everything and I'm upset. <laughs> why, why wouldn't I be upset? Nothing lasts forever. And then coming to that knowledge and, and then like being able to sit with that, that's the only thing that's made me happy. That's why I keep shouting it from the heavens because it just... It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. Why do you care so much? Get out of your own damn head and, you know, start living life for, for better reason than just making money and stuff like that. And uh, when I was when I was a younger, younger man, uh, my dad used to be like, don't worry so much about money, because when you die, you can't take it with you. You know, you can't you can't focus on that kind of stuff too much and put too much stock into it because it's just kind of like imaginary little pieces of paper and metal and numbers on a screen that everyone has just kind of agreed is a thing that we use in exchange for goods, right? It's not real. There's nothing real about it. You can't hold on to it forever because it'll rust and it'll tear and it'll disintegrate. Um, and I was always like, well, dad, that's, that's a crazy way of looking at stuff because I need money to live. <laughs> but, then I, but then I read this yeah. book and it's like, well, Solomon had all of that and he didn't feel like he was living. He didn't feel very mm. accomplished. He got to the end of it all and he said, well, that was a bloody waste, wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, screw all that. And, and he regrets it almost. Yeah. He's like, why? I, 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 spent, I invested so much in that and it turned out to be for nothing? Like the frustration. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like that's he's exactly. shaking his fist at God like. Yeah. yeah like almost like you made me the sinner damn it <laughs> i believe <laughs> so long that i was the chosen one i was like well sorry dude you just you kind of find out later that's sort of how it works you know you're not told at the start hey you're going to heaven you just i don't know <laughs> don't give a crap for the rest of your life or something like that it's it's kind of like a find your own damn place in the world that's almost mm -hmm. what predestination's answer feels like to me like 
stressing over it so much and being like, uh, where do I fall in the grand plan? It can kind of just be answered by like, I don't know, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously that's a really kind of quick to the point answer, but to make a long answer short of like, why shouldn't you be existential? It's because you have opportunity, even if you don't really see it. It's because you are alive, which is more than you can say for a lot of people, um, shockingly. Like, it, it doesn't matter realistically why you were put on earth. What matters is that you were. So go and do something. That's what this book says. That's what Gandalf says. That's what everyone freaking says. Because like, what, what do you gain from, from doing the nothing that you're doing while stressing about the nothing that you're doing you know <laughs> what what do you take away from this endless cycle of just like self-doubt and anxiety and stress other than self-doubt anxiety and stress what what tangible things can you hold on to to replace the emptiness that you're feeling in your heart nothing nothing why don't you go make a difference and try and find what will fit that hole go fall in love go start a family just go do anything meaningful for the love of god it's not that hard just freaking do it you know like i realistically i don't have very much money right now i'm living with two people and they are the only people that i've really seen for the last two months uh my family is all split up and in different parts i can't see them all properly i don't have anyone to love romantically right now and so it's just kind of like hey man i would understand if you were all upset about that kind of stuff but the fact that i can even have these conversations feels like a higher purpose right now you know the fact that i can look kind of introspectively and be like whoa i'm pretty lucky just to be in this planet to be in this room to 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 have a platform to stand on and say hey you know what maybe Ecclesiastes isn't just about being depressed all the time. Maybe it's about getting off your ass and doing something, you know, <laughs> this book is yeah. just like acknowledge what you have and then be appreciative of it. Go, go, go and drink and be merry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's really easy to get kind of worked up about those things and to get yeah. down in the, the heavy details. But the minute you yeah. can kind of, put stock in your emotional health and your spiritual health rather than your financial well-being or your social standing you ultimately in my eyes become a more complete person and isn't that what everyone wants to be don't don't you want to be a complete person you know i know i do i want to feel like my life has a sense of meaning and accomplishment and and something i could take pride in uh, I don't just want to be a money making machine that will die in 60 years i want to have left my mark on a couple of people. I don't care who knows about me. I don't care who doesn't know about me. I want to know that at some point in my life, uh, I loved someone the right way. I want to know that someone felt loved by me or that I, I talked someone out of a, a bad decision. You know, I don't, I don't think people <laughs> realize that it's all, it's all rather easy when you boil it down. Just, just live. And, and make those big choices, you know, four or five moments, right? Ecclesiastes says, go and get them. Go get those moments and, and hold on to that and, and be happy that you did those. And then acknowledge that at some point it'll be over and that's okay. Yeah. Ugh. 
there I go, another one of my rants. But you know, it's true. It's brilliant. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Love what you do, but just I don't know. It'll it'll stop at some point, and that's fine. That's fine. Yes. Absolutely. Hey, um, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. We've been chatting for over an hour already. Uh, not in Ecclesiastes, obviously. Um, do you want to, shall we like call it now ish and we'll, yeah. we'll like keep up the energy? We, we and, said like, let's, let's do six chapters and then we talked for 45 minutes about two. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should pace ourselves. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, would you be happy? Very, very happy, yeah. Awesome. Um, happy to talk about it again whenever you're free because this is really good. Um, mm. Even if you got some free time during the day tomorrow or something, I'm happy to. Um, yeah, this is grand. Chapter three, let's let's look at it next time. Um, mine says a time for everything is like the song. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. It's, uh, um, it's, it's quoted regularly. Yeah. I think it's quoted out of context regularly. i do too every single time i hear someone quote that chapter i'm like hmm i think you misquoted that maybe <laughs> kind of intentionally sometimes because it, it, it's kind of like uh yeah we cover so many bases that we can sort of just say it and then people will be like yeah okay <laughs> but i'm really excited to look at it tomorrow or, or whenever you're free um that's great man. in relation to the last two chapters especially Mm, the first mm. two are just like everything is sad but then it's also like but but do those things anyway <laughs> you know like yeah a, a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance all four of those things very well linked together and completely <laughs> different at the same time and this is the same guy that just said don't worry about anything none of it matters but then he tells Laughter you well there's a that's great it's great you, you can look at this book through a cynic's eyes and just be like, it's all self-contradictory and, and made up malarkey. I, I can see that argument, sure. But I will argue the hell out of it because I think that's such a defeatist look at this book that is ultimately optimistic. Yes. It's Ugh. not defeatist. No. That's, yeah, it's almost like nihilistic, but not defeatist. It's, it's not even nihilistic. It's realism um, mm. on a page. That's all it is. I don't read Ecclesiastes and go, well, this guy isn't living for today because he doesn't think there's a tomorrow. I read it and go, this guy lived a long friggin' time and then got to the end and said, well, I could have done literally anything else and it would have had the same impact. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> We're talking about legacy and it's like, no one cares. Legacy is a made up thing. That's a social construct made by people who are too heavily career driven to really acknowledge that the here and now is what matters. You can't look back on your life and be like, yes, I can fit a billion experiences through a keyhole. No, dude, that's not how it works. You just yeah. <sighs> don't get, don't get too crazy about things. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really difficult because this book puts forward a lot of ideas and it's kind of hard to put it all into, into a clean, tidy summary, which is why I keep saying, a thousand different things but um i think they all make sense mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's 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 a lot about the vibes <laughs> yeah, apparently it's like i don't know what it would be like to read in the original like hebrew or something but there seems to be 
kind of uh, a bunch of different structures or, or like poems or like riddles kind of to it so like in the in the yeah the kind of like literary structures so yeah. i feel like it'd be even more fascinating like to actually understand all of those bits and pieces too um but even just as the text it's it's good yeah for sure i think um if it can start a conversation like this <laughs> it's got to be a good book right yeah yeah well hey that was really great um solid like yeah 50 minutes <laughs> there um super solid i'm really keen for, for chapter three and four mm, mm, mm. so am i cool and obviously the rest of the book as well but yeah let's let's bench it for now and uh we'll pick it back up tomorrow likely likely yeah. I, I don't know what my schedule looks like just yet because i've got to figure it out that i might do tomorrow it's cool give me some messages i got plans yeah. that i can move around if i need to thanks man appreciate it man all right that was really sign out? uh yeah let's do it so for uh for the first time in this mini series uh thanks for joining us for ecclesiastes part one of tbd <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends how in depth we get in these discussions. <laughs> we thought we'd do six chapters and we only did two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. That's cool. okay. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me, Gav. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks Catch for you next time. Thanks for the chats and the insight, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate yours. It was a good time. Good vibes. See ya. See you later, mate. And uh, that was the first episode of Disorganized Religion. The audio for these first few episodes, and, and I say the first few, it is admittedly the first 15 weeks, which I'm really sorry about. Uh, it was all recorded uh, through a Zoom call on my laptop, which is now in hindsight very upsetting. I'm using a proper recording microphone right now to do this editing after the fact, and it really bums me out that uh, I wasn't using proper technology and hardware when we started doing this. But um, Really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it's been so much fun just being able to sit down and talk to my friend and have an honest conversation. And uh, it's really helped uh, both of us, I think, get through this last lockdown period. Um, we're, whatever you're doing right now, wherever you are, stay strong. Um, keep fighting the good fight. Hope to see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>